Fucking hell. I keep telling this joke wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I can do this. And I'm the one who's drinking. It's too early in the morning and I haven't had enough alcohol. (laughs) Let's stretch. Come on, Sean. You can do this. You can tell a joke. You can tell a joke. This is the theme song at the start of the show. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Gonna watch a movie. Got a thousand more to go. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore. And since I started singing, they already had more. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Just tell us the name of the show. Alright, for everyone out there in Radio Land, it might be a little while since you've heard this one, but we got something special for you tonight. It is called the Podcast War Tennis Shoes. What a terrible name for the show. It's worse than the theme song. Hello, and welcome to the Podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,783 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean, and I am here with my two co-hosts, Bob and Rob. And Bob, how are you doing this week? I'm uh, I'm on the tail end of hopefully getting over COVID. <laughs> we'll see. I've had it for about a week now. Um, I'm hoping that the notes I took made sense because I was pretty deep into having COVID when I watched it. So maybe it's just <laughs> the movie. Maybe it was my sick, blurry mind. We'll see how it goes. Your fever dream of a film? Yeah, may- maybe. <laughs> Is this really happening, or is this the COVID that is projecting these images into my mind? I'm pretty sure the knuckle puck was all COVID. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're going to do this episode really quickly. Wait, wait, you haven't asked how I am. No, we don't have time to ask how you are, Rob. Ah, We got to get through this episode fast, fast, fast. I I have a whole thing planned. (laughs) God damn it, it's always about you, Robbie. Me, 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 me. Put more attention on me. This podcast is all about me. Well, Rob, how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm a little hungover. (laughs) Uh, because I had a staff Christmas party last night, yeah. and then uh, when we got home from the Christmas party, I was a little drunk, and I said, you know what? I kind of want to watch D2 The Mighty Ducks again, so I put it on uh, and watched about half of it before I fell asleep on the couch. Uh, so um, I have a special treat for me this morning, a little uh, hair of the dog, so to speak, um, that I may be enjoying while we record this episode. I don't know if you can see. Oh, oh, it's all falling over. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! I can't even see what it is. It's kind of amazing. It's the best. Okay, look. It's, it's, just, like, it's just chaos. I'm making myself a special cocktail. It's the Gordon Bombay. It's a gin and tonic with Gordon's gin and Bombay gin. So I'm gonna have oh my god a nice uh, G and T while we record. By the way, I don't like gin and tonics, and it's also 10 a.m. So let's yeah. let's see how this goes. Just to be clear, audience, we're recording this first thing in the morning, and Rob is making himself Gordon Bombay's. Ah, oh, you got that nice, uh... I know that brand of tonic. That's nice, actually. Yep. How do you know a brand of tonic, Bob, when you don't drink? Do you just drink tonic? Oh, this is delicious. Holy shit, this is good. <laughs> it is too early in the morning for this. All right, so... Explain to the audience the ingredients of this drink of yours. Uh, well, I have uh, some Gordon's Sicilian Lemon Gin. Uh, they only had a 40 of Gordon's regular gin, and I did not want to buy a 40 of Gordon's gin for this joke. So I bought a 2-6 is what they had, and a Mickey of Bombay Sapphire Gin, uh, some uh, Fever Tree Elderflower Tonic Water, some uh, good old-fashioned lime, and some ice... Mix it all together. 
It's delicious. That uh, that that actually the lemon gin is it goes really well in this. Highly recommend. At ten o'clock in the morning, we're pivoting to an alcohol-based podcast now. <laughs> Every episode, Rob invents a new drink and we describe it to the audience. It's the Gordon Bombay. One of us also is a teetotaler who never drinks, so this is not going to be a very yeah. easy podcast to make. All right. Well, Rob's getting the party started. I'm feeling pretty good. And so that means I think it's time for our reoccurring weekly segment. Did anybody write a review this week? And you can't have a reoccurring weekly segment without a reoccurring weekly segment theme song. I need constant validation like it's always my birthday or a special occasion. I'm a needy little bitch. I keep asking, have you listened to the show? When's that gonna happen? There's an easy little box in that application Where you can have your voice heard through aggregation So let's take a look, let's take a peek Did anybody write a review this week? No, <laughs> nobody wrote a review this week Nobody wrote a review this week Okay, moving on to our other weekly segment called The Show. <laughs> this week, we're talking about D2, The Mighty Ducks. Yes, we are. Bob, this was your choice. You want to maybe explain to us in the audience why, why, why we are watching D2, The Mighty Ducks? So I always associate this movie with Christmas. Uh, when I first met Sean, we were in split second grade classes. So we were in, we were both in second grade, but in two different classrooms. But I'm pretty sure that around Christmas time that year before the break, we as a second grade all went and saw D2 The Mighty Ducks in theaters. As a field trip? That sounds like the best second grade ever. And that would have been like just before Christmas break happened. Yeah. And I remember thinking that this was like the most amazing high energy movie I'd ever seen. And I'm pretty sure I ended up seeing it three times, three times that Christmas season, because there were also people I just knew that had Christmas birthdays. And it was like, what do you do when you're turning eight in 1994? You go to see D2 The Mighty Ducks in theaters. <laughs> so how did they pass that off as having any educational component like what class would that no 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 sean 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 there's no educational appointment it's one of those events in history where like they're you know they, they stop oh. society and they be like we need to witness this you know it's like the inauguration of a new president uh the moon landing d2 the mighty ducks it's like when 9-11 happened they stopped all classes and they wheeled in yeah uh, uh, TV into every classroom and we all just sat there watching the news as this atrocity was unfolding in the United States. And this is exactly the same. D2 came out and they're like, everybody stop. There's going to be before D2 and there's going to be after D2. The world has changed. We need to stop everything, get together as a school, watch this atrocity and then weep. And we'll get through this together. They brought a psychologist in, like a child psychologist, to like explain to kids what had happened and what this means. All right, no, I get it. I get it. I, I think you're incorrect, Sean. It's 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 more like the moon landing or inauguration of a new president. This is a joyous occasion. Okay, this is the time for the world to celebrate. D two, the Mighty Ducks. I I have this feeling that we are going to have vastly different rankings for this film. <laughs> what do you mean, have this feeling? It's obvious we have vastly <laughs> different rankings for this film. <laughs> How are audiences going to receive your notion of comparing D2 The Mighty Ducks to 9-11? <laughs> <laughs> I just want people to know where I rank this film in terms of world events. 
<laughs> okay, that's fair. This isn't me making a joke. Those are the two examples in my life where apparently school stopped <laughs> yeah. to watch history unfold. It was D2 the Mighty Ducks and 9-11. I'm not, I can't be blamed for just recounting my childhood. I mean, that's fair. Along with you, Bob, I also saw D2 in theaters, apparently, with you, with my school. And uh, I know I saw it at least one or two other times. Maybe I went to the same birthdays as you. I don't know. Uh, I also saw D1 probably around the same time. I never saw D3, but I haven't <laughs> seen them since that year, essentially. And although I don't have particularly fond memories of them, they still kind of stand out in my memory as like huge events. Like when you're when you're eight years yeah. old and D2 comes out, it feels like a major event. This is like the, you know, Force Awakens of eight-year-olds. It's like, oh, there's a sequel to The Mighty Duck. That's oh correct. Oh, my God, this is the biggest movie of all time. So it felt big in my memory. And so returning to it was interesting. Rob, uh, I assume you had seen The Mighty Ducks when you were a kid? I'm, I'm sure I'd seen The Mighty Ducks. I actually, uh, I've seen D2 way more than I've seen The Mighty Ducks. Uh, D2 was, uh, I had, uh, like the Disney VHS clamshell. It was like that, Beauty and the Beast, and I think Aladdin were like, the three movies I owned to start. And so those were on high rotation when I was a kid. So I watched D2 frequently, which is probably why I love this movie so much and you guys absolutely hate it. I didn't say I hated it. Spoiler alert. I said this to Bobby um, earlier in the week. Uh, I said, uh, there has never been a movie that makes less sense or cares less about its audience. And it has never mattered less because this movie is amazing <laughs> even though it is a hot pile of trash <laughs> you know it's, what's funny is i am confident i have never seen the mighty ducks and i know i've never seen d3 i have only ever seen d2 several times apparently um uh, i've seen the mighty ducks probably maybe twice uh and uh, after we watched d2 my wife and i uh we i was like no play next it was d3 and so i put it on i've only seen d3 once i remember going to see it in theaters uh and being very very disappointed and uh the feeling uh sustained i put it on and i watched like 20 25 minutes of it and was like this is trash and turn it off are you telling me that there's a movie that is worse than d2 the 9-11 of disney movies yeah buddy it's d3 <laughs> the mighty ducks <laughs> okay wow all right um so, D2 The Mighty Ducks, for those who don't know, is a sequel to D1 The Mighty Duck, um, <laughs> which was written... Sorry, that <laughs> shouldn't have been that funny. <laughs> That's what gets the laugh? Grammatical pluralization joke and you lose your mind. All right, I know what audience I have. You put more thought into that than they did any moment in D2 The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I'm just imagining Jim Cameron pitching it and just putting an S at the end of the Mighty Duck. <laughs> with a dollar yeah, sign? Yeah, with a dollar sign. And Michael Eisner is like, you magnificent bastard. That's right, yeah. Uh, the original Mighty Ducks film was written by a man named Stephen Brill, uh, who later went on to direct a lot of Adam Sandler movies. He directed Little Nicky. He directed Hubie Halloween more recently. Oh, no. Uh, the Mighty Ducks was his first spec script that he shot around um he 
fully admits in interviews that he was like, yeah, I love the Bad News Bears. And I was like, people should make another one of those. So I did. <laughs> uh, did you see his credit on this one? Uh, it's He gets two credits on one on one shot. It's a uh, screenplay by Stephen Brill based on characters by Stephen Brill. He got two of those uh, on the same one. It's like, buddy, you wrote the first one. You're writing the second one. <laughs> you're just trying to get more money. Obviously, yes. But uh, it was pretty funny. He was because apparently he had actually written the Gordon Bombay role for himself and was a little disappointed when he never got it. I saw that in an interview and like the dude is not an actor. He plays like bit parts in a lot of the films, including this one, like one line walk on roles. He doesn't have an acting career. So like that is a big swing where you're just like, (laughs) I want to be the lead in this movie. I've He he saw what happened with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rocky and he was like, (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) And he was like, I'm going to write the lead in this Bad News Bears ripoff. Yeah, but, like, Sly Stallone had already been in all those pornos. Yeah. So yeah. he had that acting experience, you know? Look, maybe Stephen Brill had a bunch of softcore porns that we don't know about, okay? Um, I don't want to know about them. <laughs> maybe he went full, like, method. And he was like, I gotta do it like Stallone had made a bunch of softcore porns first. <laughs> he modeled his career path after yeah. Sly. So he sold the spec script to Disney. Uh, the Mighty Ducks came out on like a $15 million budget, made $50 million. It was quite a surprise success. Disney immediately turned it into a massive franchise because Michael Eisner's son was really into hockey. And so Michael Eisner decided to A, greenlit a sequel to the Mighty Ducks, B, buy a hockey team and change their name to the <laughs> Mighty Ducks. And then that team won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, only after Disney sold Yeah, them. I know. But it's still amazing that that this film or these films spawned an NHL team that won the Stanley Cup. It, it, don't, dude, it, it's, it's so on the nose. The finale of the movie takes place in the Mighty Ducks actual home stadium. Well... The Anaheim Pond had just been built. I'm pretty sure the exterior is the Mighty Ducks actual stadium, the pond. The interior, I'm pretty sure, is like they shot it in Humboldt. Because it's, it's like an ice rink <laughs> that seats 200 people. <laughs> yeah, fair like, enough. It's the smallest yeah, yeah. ice rink I've ever That's seen fair. that they're shooting the interiors on. But the exterior is the brand new pond that they made for Disney. Uh, so I watched this, as I said, with my wife. And uh, uh, she did not know that the Mighty Ducks were based off of the Mighty Ducks. Uh, and, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, babe, no, they, they made a, a hockey team based off of this. The movies were so successful. Um, and they were based on Anaheim because that's where Disneyland was. And, uh, and then I said, yeah, they won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> and she said, yeah, because they quacked their way there. And I was like, you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> this is the funniest fucking thing. Uh, we are also pretty, uh, we might have been imbibing in some wine when we were watching this movie. You were having yourselves a few too many Gordon Bombays. <laughs> Michael Eisner bought a hockey team under the Disney brand, named it the Mighty Ducks, built a stadium like two blocks away from Disneyland. They were going to create like corporate synergy to like make a ton of money off of the Mighty Ducks because they were going to start a new ESPN West television channel that would be owned by Disney, just like the normal ESPN television channel that would focus on the Mighty Ducks. They would sell Mighty Ducks merchandise at all of the Disney stores across North America. They would put the Mighty Ducks into the Western Conference champions and they'd become Stanley Cup champions. Imagine it, imagine it. Here's the thing. It kind of worked for like two years. 
when they originally came out, they were seen as a joke. The NHL is like, what is this Disney team that is based mostly on merchandise? And then the following year, the Mighty Ducks sold 80% of all NHL merchandise. Wow. Yeah. In the entire NHL. I'm pretty sure I own some Mighty Ducks merch. I don't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure I own some stuff. And because of that, Eisner then bought a baseball team to try to work that magic again. I looked that up too. Released a movie <laughs> that would then be the basis for that. Angels in the Outfield. All of this lasted only about two or three years because by the late 90s, after they bought the Angels, these teams kept losing. Nobody was buying the merchandise anymore. Disney went, well, that was a mistake. And they ended up selling them in 2005. But for a very brief window, man, the Mighty Ducks were everywhere. And in the middle of that, we got D2, the Mighty Ducks. You're saying that Ryan Reynolds is trying to pull an Eisner? He, he bought Wrexham and now he's trying to buy the Ottawa Senators? He's like, if one sports team is good, let's buy another <laughs> sports team. That would make sense if he then renamed all of the sports teams after his movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it so would be like... The, the Ottawa Deadpool, The Wrexham Deadpools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ottawa free guys. Yeah, I could see this working. The Ottawa red notices? The Ottawa proposals. <laughs> yeah. The Ottawa blade threes. The Ottawa blade trinities. <laughs> <laughs> the Ottawa blade trinities. <laughs> Everyone has three blades on their ice skates, not just not just the one. <laughs> they ride <riding> on threes. <laughs> it almost makes sense, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then when people are like, did you name that after your movie? He'd be like, oh, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> the Ottawa Blade Trinities. We're not even done the intro, and I'm done my first Gordon Bombay. So, Bob, how does this movie begin? It opens with a really kind of self-indulgent and taking itself way too seriously. No, you need to see the name of everybody involved in this film opening title credits from what i remember yeah and it, it i was just like this is, this is d2 the mighty ducks i just want to see these kids rollerblading and murder construction workers which i do eventually get <laughs> i mean there's also you get the like t2 d2 mighty ducks where the yeah, words yeah, collide yeah. with one another and i was like is that terminator 2 or am i just like high on covid no i think it's a reference to terminator 2 yeah uh, uh, uh my wife uh, screamed out epic when that was on because she also had the clamshell and watched it all the time that's right <laughs> <laughs> they do like the T2 sound effects. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With yeah. like steel mashing together. It's so funny. Then it's a sepia filtered flashback of him playing hockey on the farm with his dad and it's some Gretzky flashbacks right there. I mean Yeah. Yeah, it's Walter and Wayne Gretzky yeah. playing hockey on a pond and for some ridiculous reason they over top of this sepia flashback, they're playing this like Aaron Copeland ripoff fanfare of the common man with like a French horn going like dun dun dun. I know. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you know, as if this is like the Superman origin story, or this and is like. Keep in mind, he's playing minor league hockey. That is what is happening. That's the music of an American hero, and it's for. Childhood Emilio Estevez, who grows up to become a drunk driving lawyer and then a peewee hockey league coach. So they, they've got, uh, they do some voiceover narration, like he's some sort of a newscaster, I guess. The voiceover, um, is somebody like reading newspaper clippings or telling what's happening, right? Keep in mind, the Mighty Ducks were a peewee league team in <laughs> Minnesota. 
right? That no one cares about, but they are playing it off like they are some sort of national heroes. They won some sort of rec league game in the first one, and uh, and the entire world knows who the Mighty Ducks are. It is amazing. I just want to stop you right there, because it's one other thing that I want to point out. During this sepia flashback of Emilio Estevez as a child playing hockey with his dad, there's one line where his dad goes, I want you to remember this pond, son, <laughs> no matter how far you go in life. I want you to remember where you came from. Oh, that's so good. And it jumped out at me because it's the first line in the movie. And uh, this is the same year that Blank Check came out. <laughs> in his book, Save the Cat, one of the first rules of screenwriting is that right at the beginning of the movie, yeah. you state the theme of the movie in the first dialogue. So the theme of this movie is don't forget where you came from. Which is going to come back because it's Emilio Estevez's entire arc. It's the entire arc of the whole film. You know, I'm going to start getting into it now. We can talk more about it as these pieces come up. But the arc of this film honestly kind of disgusted me a little bit. (laughs) Because the Mighty Ducks is the most, like, brazen corporate synergy sellout capitalism gone mad franchise that there is. Eisner created this entire thing to make money as a money-making enterprise to like convince kids to buy Mighty Ducks shit. The actual meetings he had are like the comical satire meetings in movies (laughs) where they like sell stuff out because it's like Oh, and then we can have an animated cartoon Mighty Ducks spinoff where they're actually ducks. Except that happened yep. in the real world. Yet in this movie, the entire plot and the theme and the arc is about how sponsorship and making money and franchising things is a horrible sellout. And you need to stay true to your ideals. And the sheer audacity of that, <laughs> the hypocrisy of it... Genuinely bothered me. I, I did. I did hit a point where I realized I didn't write down the character's name because who the fuck cares? Um, but the representative for Hendrix Hockey just is Michael Don Eisner. Tipples. Like that guy is Disney. He is Michael Eisner coming in and doing all of those things. And I just I couldn't unsee that can the we, entire can time. We, can we talk for one second about Mr. Don Tipples? Uh, because why does he have the rights? The like the the coaching requirements. Why is he? <laughs> responsible okay, for putting Rob, together the we're team. gonna get to him we're gonna get to him because this is an important question but we it's okay. like two scenes away just wait okay, one okay, second. Okay, okay okay so we have our sepia tone flashback and then we get a second flashback to introduce what's happened between mighty ducks one and mighty ducks two the end of mighty ducks one immediately estevez coaches their peewee team to a local <laughs> rec local match that makes them <laughs> worldwide famous and he he parlays that success into going off to join the minor hockey league. He joins the Miniahaha Waves, which is like a small town minor hockey yep. league team and uh, outside of Minnesota. And our voiceover guy says, uh, Coach Gordon Bombay, who gained national acclaim coaching a peewee league, the Mighty Ducks, is at the age of 29, is uh, one step away from an NHL career. Two things. 
Fuck, he's 29, and how old was he in The Mighty Ducks 1? <laughs> I do want to comment on this announcer, because he's just like, what a story! I know. And it's like, is this a story? <laughs> this is like the most locally significant. He's literally done nothing of <sighs> national significance. Nothing. He's coached a peewee hockey team. He's a drunk driver. The, apparently <laughs> CNN is there. Yeah, recording this. ESPN has their reporter there, like watching this game because they're like everyone wants to know what bombay is doing next I'm, I'm not unconvinced that like this narration isn't just happening in bombay's head and he's just giving himself a play-by-play <laughs> <laughs> that would make so much more sense it's just that's the voice he hears because there's this newspaper clippings up in like jan's like skate shop right yeah. it's just him reading the newspaper like as, as he's sharpening skates being like wow what a story <laughs> perfect sense okay so while he's playing this hockey though he gets checked into the boards and he falls to the ice gripping his right knee and going ah and it goes into slow motion and we know uh uh-oh this is the end of his nhl dreams because he's busted up his knee real bad a couple things i want to say about that first that is the weakest sauciest fucking check i've ever seen oh yeah he doesn't even hit his knee it's a normal check into the Mm -hmm. boards well I mean, that is uh, technically that is a penalty what the guy did there, but uh, but he didn't actually like. Yeah, but it's a damage him in any way with the actual check. They're using a stuntman anyway. Like it's not actually Emilio Estevez getting checked. Like, can't you do something? Like, do like uh, he goes head over heels, make it look like actually violent. Make it looks like something that might actually injure a person. And I know freak accidents. You get a normal check and it somehow breaks your knee and that happens. But like. It's a movie. Do something that looks slightly interesting. That is, it's the most boring check I've ever seen. And then they're just like, he's never going to play hockey again. (laughs) And then it cuts to him getting off the bus back in Minnesota because his hockey dreams are over and he's going back to the skate shop. And he gets off the bus and he's holding his fucking cane in the wrong hand. Emilio Estevez, you can't do the smallest amount of research for this role. You just broke your right knee or injured it in some terrible way where you can't play hockey anymore. But you're holding the cane in your right hand. You're supposed to hold the cane in the hand opposite of the leg that's injured. And so already I'm just like, oh my God, Emilio, you can't try harder. And then it perfectly telegraphed how little effort Emilio Estevez puts into his performance in this role. It's because he didn't have to put any effort. He's not required to do anything in this film. Yeah. There are multiple points in this film where he's not making eye contact with the people <laughs> that he's talking to. And I'm pretty sure he's reading cue cards yes! as if he's Christopher Walken on Saturday yes! Night Live. Oh, again, none of this matters like (laughs) this movie is amazing despite of everything we are saying i was redoing some reading up on this and there was some sort of like retrospective where like they got a bunch of the cast together to talk about the movie and he wouldn't do it and i know that for as much as i've never seen it apparently he negotiated his contract for the third film to be unset as little as possible and so his entire role in d3 was filmed in a week oh yeah no he's in like three scenes yeah Uh, he's top build but he is not their coach. Uh, they go to a high school um, and they are coached by someone else in the scene where he's talking to Charlie. 
Joshua, Joshy J, Joshua Jackson. He says the junior Goodwill Games have asked me to like lead the organization. So he's going to go do that. He said it's an opportunity of a lifetime. So he's not in the film at all. Okay. He also left the Disney Plus TV series after one season because of contract negotiation breakdowns. So he clearly is trying to not make this franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow keeps repeatedly failing at that attempt to not make these movies because he's made three movies and one season of a TV show. Okay, so now we are introduced to Jan, who runs the skate shop. Jan. Jan. Yeah, sorry. We're introduced to Jan, who runs the skate shop and is the brother of the other German guy who ran the skate shop in the first movie because I guess... He also didn't want to come back. Yeah, they got, they couldn't get him back. A lot of people don't want to be in these movies. They, they they couldn't get the actor back, so they got another guy to be the brother. And then in the third movie, they just get Dinamolos from <laughs> Bill and Ted Two to, to play the same character. So they just like they're like, well, we can't introduce a third brother. <laughs> <laughs> Should have. Should have been a new brother. Hilarious. (laughs) Okay, and so he's now sleeping on the couch. He's hit rock bottom. He's back where he was. Joshua Jackson's there working in this skate shop. And then we get Rob, basically the plot of the movie introduced. So tell me about this. Tell me about the character who walks through the door to offer him the chance of a lifetime. Mr. Don Tribble. Tibbles. Tupple. Tibbles. Yeah. Uh, well, it, yeah, in this scene, um, he's back. Don from- Kibble? <laughs> Don Kibbles. Yeah, we'll call him Kibbles. Jan, uh, who's looking after Emilio Estevez as he's recovering from his knee injury, uh, he's like, you know, uh, I still hear that, uh, they need a coach for the Team USA at the Junior Goodwill Games, right? Which makes no fucking sense. It's like a, I think in real time, it sounds like it's probably three days before the event. Like, legitimately, I don't know the timeline, but um, they have one practice, and he says, good work today, guys. And then they're at the Junior Goodwill Games. I have a challenge for you, because you've already said Junior Goodwill Games like seven times, which is nowhere near a quarter of the amount of times it is said in this game. The next time you watch this, get your some Gordon Bombay's. Correct. Every time the Junior Goodwill Games get mentioned in the script, you take a drink. Yep. And anytime anybody tells Emilio Estevez that his country needs him. <laughs> By the way, the Junior Goodwill Games are not a thing. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, they say... Um, I, I wondered that. They're not a thing. And they say, when they're arriving, uh, Emilio Estevez's uh, head narration, uh, <laughs> he says, um, so it's the start of the Junior Goodwill Games, where uh, kids play in winter and summer sports like swimming, basketball, and hockey. And I was like, what? fucking shenanigans is this <laughs> there's no such thing as like the summer and winter kids olympics at the same time because <laughs> that's what this is <laughs> do you guys know what the actual goodwill games are no sorry the goodwill games are an alternative to the olympics that were created by ted turner <laughs> and owned by time warner oh my god <laughs> For about 20 years, from 1979 to 1997. So, I would like to, again, return to my point that this movie is about how you should never sell out or go corporate. And the plot of the movie is the Disney corporate franchise, The Mighty Ducks, compete in a corporate phony Olympics owned by a different 
corporation. So just just to put this in perspective that I will fully understand, the Goodwill Games are to the Olympics what WCW was to WWF in the <laughs> 80s and 90s. In the morning, uh, Jan uh, says to Gordon, um, you uh, you should stop scar- uh, sharpening the skate. Uh, there's so- You have a customer, and it's our friend uh, Don Tibbles, Kibbles. Uh, who's like, Gordon, you're, you're a star, b- baby. You, uh, you gotta coach our team. Everything's lined up for you for no fucking reason. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand the premise of how, like, the organization committee put Don Kibbles in charge of this team. But, I mean, you're a sponsor? He's a sponsor. They're the official sponsor of a team he doesn't have. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and it's like, it's like three days before the event. Uh, and so he's just like grasping at straws at this point. He's like, uh, uh, I'll get the peewee coach, uh, with the, with the DUI on his record <laughs> to, to coach the team. Um, and he's like, he's like, Gordon, baby, I want you, uh, you to be synonymous with hockey. Um, because you're a star, baby. <laughs> when people think hockey, I want them to think of this guy who played one year minor league hockey at Minnehaha. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, so he agrees to the job. Um, by the way, this is all like in the first, I want to say five minutes of the running time. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing they've done so far is that Emilio Estevez has held this cane in the wrong hand and then we're already into it. He just shows up. He's like, Emilio. The final game is a third of this film and it is amazing. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they, there's no plot. They're just like, let's just shoot some pe- kids playing hockey. Like that is it. It's 90 minutes long, and the final game is the last 30 minutes. Yeah. It's exactly one-third of the film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I love that structure. Let's just make the final the final thing to be is literally a third of the film. I mean, there's a little bit of torch talk going on for the first shot that Bombay, he's not wearing goggles when he's, like, reading the newspapers and doing the sportscaster thing over his head, and then later in the movie, he's wearing goggles <laughs> when he's sharpening skates. Uh you can cut that out. I'm, I'm in an no, no. insane mess right now. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to devote like a third of this episode to Torch Talk, much like <laughs> the last third. The final half hour of this episode is just going to be Torch Talk all the way, baby. Give the people what they want, all right? <laughs> the actual thing I want to touch on is the line he sells Bombay on joining the team is he says, come on, we need you. And by we, I mean Hendrix Hockey the Goodwill Junior Games, and your country. Because that is going to come up a lot in this fucking movie. Gordon Bombay agrees in record time and uh, goes and gets a duck call uh, and says to Charlie, uh, we're putting the band back together. So again, but just, sorry, I just need to, I just need to elaborate on this though. When you realize what the Goodwill Games are and that they are a corporate money-making enterprise, it makes perfect sense that the sponsor is in charge yeah, of okay. finding the players. Yes, there we go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's not an actual, like, uh, athletic excellence tournament. It's let's make money tournament. Okay. Which is no different than the Olympics. Let's just be real about that one, yes, shall we? Yes, Correct. Bombay agrees. He says to, to Charlie, go get the band back together. And then we have the uh, getting the band back together montage where uh, Charlie obnoxiously rollerblades through all these people's jobs and lives, just blaring a fucking duck call in the middle of the day. And I loved every moment of it. <laughs> okay, this more more torch talk. If you want a third of this, I can get into it. Yeah. That construction site, like... There's no barriers, there's no guardrails, there's no nothing separating. People are just walking around concrete being poured on this boulevard with, like, no barriers or roadblocks or anything on there. Isn't it a bridge? 
Yeah. They're like fixing a bridge and they just leave it open. Yeah, they leave it open <laughs> for a bunch of adolescents to rollerblade through. <laughs> yeah, and then you get this like great shot of what is clearly a like 25-year-old rollerblader jumping over the arm of that machine. It's great. Um, and then cuts back to like Joshua Jackson. And then I'm pretty sure that Foggy uh, from Daredevil... Yeah kills that construction worker by putting him in a vat of cement as he drowns as cement fills his lungs and hardens. <laughs> which the construction site, like, can really only blame themselves for not putting up guardrails. There's a big cast in this movie because it's an entire fucking hockey team. Basically, like you said, Eldon Hansen is in it. He plays Fulton Reed. Foggy Nelson from The Daredevil Show. Keenan Thompson is in it from every season of Saturday Night Live for the past 30 years. And Marguerite Marine is in it, who is in Wet Hot American Summer. Yep. Then there's other people that I don't have time to remember their names about. Apologies to them, but it's a large cast. Uh <laughs> I think it's too that um Foggy's real life brother is in the movie, but Foggy's credited under a different last name. Oh really? Interesting. Is it Sheen? <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> is he the fourth best of S? <laughs> Eldon Hansen's brother goes by Jimmy Sheen, the standard Hollywood fake last name. So they get the uh, the team back together. I made a note. I was just like, why? Like, why didn't they have a team sooner? Why? What was what was happening? <laughs> we talked about no, this. no, 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 no. The sponsor I, left it to the last minute. Like, okay, but like, it's like on his calendar, he's like, oh fuck, that's a, they that's were a, a week. wee team. And now they are representing Team USA. They don't have tryouts. He just says, you know your old team that hasn't played? Get them together. And then they have ringers from all over the country, is what Don Kibbles says. Yeah, I was going to say, he did some scouting for this, like, a band of misfits he's half put together. The Goodwill games are fake. All of this is fake. It's the Golden Globes of sports <laughs> competitions, all right? Nobody actually cares. Yeah. There is no kind of, like, actual meritocracy involved in choosing who's there. It's whoever the people who put up the money want to bring in. And that, in this case, is for some reason, the Mighty Ducks. All right. They very quickly run through the highlights of Minneapolis, and that is... Uh, <laughs> The Mall? The Mall of America. Yeah. yeah. It's a kid's movie from the 90s, which means you got to go to the Mall of America. Joshua Jackson roller skates through the mall, like, on the carpet in the movie theater to get, um, I don't know his name, but I, I just called him Arnold from Magic School Bus. <laughs> um, you know the character I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arnold from the Magic School yeah, Bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, like, he's uh, an usher at a movie theater. And uh, they're just, like, ripping through this mall, rollerblading, and nobody cares. It's so dumb. And then they go quack, quack, quack. And then they, they start yeah, with their with their fucking duck call. And then when they get the team back together, they're just screaming ducks down the middle of the street. It's just like this band of hooligans just going, ducks, 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 out of context. That's one of the funniest fucking things. Like, can you imagine just being somebody, a bystander, going, what is happening right now? <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, and then we got another voiceover uh, in Bombay's head that says, Coach Bombay makes the move to the national stage. <laughs> it's him. It's, it's, it's him. It's in his head. Nobody is following him around saying any of this. <laughs> oh, God, it's so perfect. It's like somebody who's been walking around in a fever dream for the past week. Like, I get it. So Mr. Kibble <laughs> introduces him to the new players that he's brought onto Team USA because... They're just taking most of the Mighty Ducks. For some reason, there was some Mighty Ducks they didn't like, and they cut. And then they've replaced them with, like, four of the best hockey players from across the country. That they're like, nah, this is going to be a great team. But they introduce them as if they're, like... Racist stereotypes? Oh, they're definitely 
stereotypes. Yeah, I've made a note of that. But they also are introduced as if they're, like, members of the Justice League with, like, a superpower <laughs> and a super weakness. Because they're like, this guy can skate really, really fast. He's the fastest man alive. But his one weakness is he can't stop. Louise Mendoza. I just watched this last night. Sorry. Sorry, did you just yell out a name? Louise Mendoza. He's okay. the guy who can skate really fast. Yeah, which I, I, when I watched it, because they're just like, he's so speedy. And I'm like, is this a stereotype on Speedy Gonzalez? Yes. It's spot that racism, Sean. This is the scene that's spot that racism. Yeah, and they, they're they like playing like some like mariachi, mariachi music, yeah. which then transitions into... It's like banjo southern western music. They bring in uh, the next guy who's from the south. Yeah. And he's a southern Texan or something. Hi, y'all. And he can stick handle really well. That's his superpower. And his one weakness is no. Yeah, that's what it is. He doesn't have a. He doesn't have a weakness like everyone else. Uh, Louise Mendoza uh, can't stop. Uh, the girl is a girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's her weakness. That's her only weakness because she's so much better than Goldberg. But she's a girl, so she doesn't get to play. Um, there's uh, Donnie Chen, who's a figure skater, and he's just like he's small. Um, then there's the bruiser who's a jackass, but there's like whatever his name was, uh, Doug, I think, uh, is the Texan. And he's just like, he's just really awesome at everything. And he gets to be like the coat, the team mascot almost. <laughs> like, they, they, like he doesn't have a weakness. And did you notice that when he's like, uh, puck handling, they make shooting sound effects every time he like turns his skates? It's really dumb. <laughs> Like, this is a bad scene. It's so bad. It's so bad. Why do you bring in a guy who can't stop? Because he's super fast. Because because he needs it to have an arc, and there needs to be another montage later on in the movie where they all overcome their barriers. Where he learns how to stop? Yeah. Thanks to their, like, corporate sponsor. All right, so then you get a couple of scenes where they all have to learn to play as a team and not bicker amongst themselves and practice and become great hockey players again i don't really care about any of this it might be half the movie i don't even remember last three minutes <laughs> like it's three minutes and then they're just like yeah they're a team now G- junior google games let's go let's go let's do it yeah well he's like i'm gonna tie you all together and you have to learn to like move together all right cool good enough tomorrow's our first game of the junior google games and th- yeah that's what he says he says we all practice really hard today guys and it's like it's the same day right like we're, we're we know that this is one practice like you didn't you didn't like you tied to, you tied a bunch of minor togethers and left them alone in a hockey <laughs> rink <laughs> That could be considered kidnapping. You get the introduction to their teacher in this scene as well. It's kind of important later when... Is she important? I I just... They give her a scene later. Yeah. She also has this, like, kind of weirdly problematic line when she's, like, teaching them school. And she says, America's a teenager just like you. So that scene where um, Hendrix Hendrix Hockey Guy is putting Coach Bombay and a bunch of peewee leaguers on the Wheaties box... (laughs) Um, before they get to the Junior Gilbert games. Like, nobody's uh, heard of uh, It's before the games. Correct. The expectation is that you win gold in the Olympics and you go on the Wheaties box. That's the whole standard. These kids haven't even competed yet from Minnesota. No, no. no, no. But then Charlie, uh, Josh, Joshua Jackson, says to Emilio Estevez, he says... Team USA, but we're the Ducks. Can't we be the USA Ducks? And I was like, no, Charlie, you're an idiot. You can't be the USA Ducks. What the fuck do you think this is? You're like playing in an Olympic game. It's not like they just take a team and put them in there. It's not like Croatia versus <laughs> the Ducks. <laughs> the ducks. 
You know what I mean? It's like Croatia versus USA. They really, they're trying to force this whole don't forget who you are theme into this movie, and it makes no fucking sense. Yes, that's exactly it. Where he's like, don't sell out and represent your country. But we're, we're, we're the ducks. We're not Team USA. You kind of are Team USA. That's the plot of the movie, Josh. What, what's going on, man? It's, uh, it's 26 minutes in, and they're at the Junior Goodwill Games, so all of that only took 26 minutes of the runtime. Now that we've established that all of this announcement, like, the announcer's not real, nobody's in the stands calling these games because it's literal children, um, <laughs> but I was really trying to figure out the entire time is why is there so much media coverage for these children? Yes, but if you think about it, um, the World Juniors is a huge, huge hockey event. It's a huge sporting event. The World Juniors is a huge event. This isn't the World Juniors, though. This is Correct. a made-up yeah. variation on Time Warner's phony Olympics. Correct. Yeah, the Junior Goodwill Games. It's a Disney version of a Warner Brothers version of an actual event. There's like two layers of corporate synergy going on here. Um, so they they play Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, it's uh, they're the the tenth ranked team versus the second ranked team, and uh, they destroy them. Wait, and wait, Trinidad wait, 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 wait. What? Team USA is the second ranked team? Yes, next to Iceland. Iceland's the number one ranked team. Ranked from what? They haven't played a game. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where does the ranking come from? I don't know. Because, yeah, normally there's, like, exhibition games, preliminary matches. No. No, none of that. <laughs> they weren't a team three days ago. How are they second ranked? Because... Who cares? What the fuck? Maybe it's just on spec and draft picks. I don't know. Goldberg? <laughs> fucking spec to me. Like, they got Goldberg. They're, they gotta be second right. They got Goldberg. They got that figure skater kid. Put them near the top. They got that guy who always has a lasso on him. Uh, let's uh, let's put them. <laughs> they got an actual cowboy on the team. from the top. Uh, but they play against Trinidad and Tobago, and of course, they have tie-dye on their jerseys, because of course they do. Uh, and then when they score one goal, goal uh, they bring out the steel drums and play a bunch of music, because of course they do, because that's this movie that we're watching. Lowest common denominator. I, I, I want to admit something. Uh, again, we're just putting in a bunch of national stereotypes. <laughs> Very obnoxious joke. But it honestly made me laugh that they had, like, a steel drum in their, like, the coach's box. <laughs> like, I, I thought that was funny. I mean, uh, I, I wrote it down to spot that racism. But, uh, but yes. Uh, and then, after they win the game, there's a press conference with a uh, polar bear, right? Hendrix Hockey polar bear that shows up. And the tutor uh, says... Um, when did a polar bear and sunglasses have anything to do with hockey, right? And I was like, have you ever seen a mascot lady? Like, have you ever watched hockey? Correct. Like, again, yeah. this movie feels like the creators of it don't know what hockey is. They're just like, uh, you you forgot about the game. The game's supposed to be about ice and pucks, man. It's not supposed to be about mascots wearing <laughs> costumes. It's like, what? What? <laughs> You're like, that's that's actually kind of the whole point of this whole thing. <laughs> You're called the Ducks. Your mascot is clearly going to be a duck. Like, what the oh. fuck? But we get introduced to the uh, antagonists of the film now. Uh, it is Team Iceland. They originally uh, wanted to have Russia, but apparently at the time, um, Russia was, and USA relations were just starting to... Yeah, the Cold War had just ended. Uh, so they're like, well, we can't have Russia as the bad guys. We'll have... Iceland, because they have ice in the name. So that is something that kids can associate with hockey. Yeah. So they're like, let's make it some sort of 
Aryan race Scandinavian team. And we have uh, the bad, bad guy, the, the head, the coach of the team, Wolf the Dentist Stanton. Uh, <laughs> what kind of an accent is that guy doing? Because that's not an Icelandic Nothing. accent. Like, no. The only member of Team Iceland that was actually from Iceland was the woman Bombay goes on a date with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. she apparently, she did, she did all of the dialect. I don't know the dialect coaching, but she taught everyone on the team to speak a little bit of Icelandic so they could they're get it. Basic, it just sort of feels like they're doing generic pseudo-German. They're like, ah, American got scared. Ah. <laughs> yeah. That's, ex- that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they're supposed to be Russian. So, yeah. You know, some sort of Eastern European dialect is what they're going for. It makes no sense. Silly American. Think you can play hockey. Yeah. Because uh, Karsten Norsgaard. Um, is he's actually from Denmark? Is he the is he the dentist? He's the dentist. Yeah, uh, he got that nickname because he knocked up more teeth than games he played. Apparently, he's a good match for Bombay, who played less than one season in the minor hockey league. And then, like later in the movie, Bombay just immediately copies his entire persona. It's fucking hilarious. I think this is close to where we are in the movie. So Bombay sells out by bringing in a mascot. And Hendrix Hockey has buy him a condo, him a condo in Malibu. Again, yeah, he's making a lot of money as an ex Pee Wee coach with the DUI on his record. After meeting the Icelandic <laughs> team, yeah, he starts flirting with the assistant coach of the Icelandic team, and then the two of them go out on a date. Wait, 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 wait! No, no, no! We can't skip over the sellout montage. That's before the okay, date. tell me about the sellout montage. This is where we get literally all of the cameos from all of, like, sports people. Uh, they get Wayne Gretzky in here. They get... Wayne Gretzky's later. Wayne Gretzky's later in the room, you're right. But they get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. This is this is the thing where, during the games, uh, Coach Bombay uh, is pitching a loafer uh, targeted towards kids that want to coach. And he's talking... To Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and like famous hockey players uh, about this loafer. Well, because so, it, because uh, uh, Kibble Nipples tells him as they're going into the party, everybody in this town is somebody is pretending to be someone they're not. Right. So like that's what you have to do. Yeah. Um. You also get this shot because he talks to I don't remember the other players, but he he meets Chris Chelios. Chris Chelios is yeah. like at the sellout party with a few other NHL players, and you take one look at those guys and they're all like. Eight and a half feet tall. Correct. And Emilio Estevez barely comes up to their waist, and you're like, this guy was going to get a shot in the NHL. This dude that barely comes up to Chris Chelios' waist. Correct. At age 29 was going to get into the fucking NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. To be fair, if that had happened, that would be like a national ESPN story, where they'd oh, be yeah. like, what the fuck is this? That would have been. <laughs> the thing that gets me about all of the sellout stuff is that he's selling out to Hendrix Hockey, which was already the supplier for the Mighty Ducks. Already the sponsor. They got their uniform and equipment from Jan's store. Jan gets his supplies from Hendrix Hockey. That's how he has the connection to get Gordon Bombay the coaching job. So they were already supplied by Hendrix Hockey. Now they are still supplied by Hendrix Hockey, but they're being paid for it, and he's like, we sold out. Like, they haven't sold yeah. out. They're using the exact same equipment they were using before. That means that Hendrix Hockey, hockey doesn't want Gordon Bombay's loafers. <laughs> he has to pitch it to other people to get funding. <laughs> of course they don't. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> like, this is a very tight 90 minutes. 
And there is honestly too much time dedicated to this subplot about Gordon Bombay trying to sell loafers. And then it's like literally like the next day he shows up in like an all black suit with slick black hair. Well, okay. So what happens is he goes out on the date with this Icelandic woman and they go out for ice cream. And then two things happen. The first, Foggy Nelson spots them out on a date and they get super racist about it because they're like, how dare you go on a date with with an Icelandic woman? She's the enemy. supposed to be about America. And then number two, Gordon Bombay gets Beneford. He he goes out on one date with this woman, and he suddenly starts dressing like Ben Affleck from the Jenny from the Block video. Yeah, he does. <laughs> this might be the first movie I've seen where they have, uh, I want to say, warring montages. Uh, because during the uh, the sellout montage, it's the montage where the kids go to the Rodeo Drive. Oh my god, that's the that is the most insane part of this film, narratively correct. Like you're you're you have a ninety minute movie, thirty minutes of it are devoted to just the final hockey game, <laughs> and yet they stop the movie dead for like Correct. a ten minute shopping sequence. It has no relevance to the film. Guaranteed, this was uh, a Wayne's World situation where they were like, "This movie's only seventy <laughs> minutes or eighty minutes," uh, and they're just like, "Okay, let's listen." They can listen to all of Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, and they were just like, "What can kids do in Hollywood, California?" And they're just like, "I don't know, be lecherous." So the kids go shopping on Rodeo Drive, and for some reason. Instead of going to any stores that might interest the kids, the kids decide they're going to go to a high-end <laughs> fashion boutique that, you know, you need to have a reservation and get buzzed into, and then they will model the clothes for you in front of you. The kids get into this situation because Goldberg buzzes on the door. <laughs> <laughs> they they buzz back and they're like Goldberg buzzes on the door no unaccompanied children and then Goldberg says oh my uncle Aaron wouldn't want to hear that and then the woman on the other side goes yeah. Aaron spelling and I'm like we gotta stop for a second and acknowledge the fact that this woman sees a ten year old black kid <laughs> Who says his uncle's name is Aaron. And her first thought is that, oh, that must be septuagenarian Aaron Spelling, the white movie producer born in 1923. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, Aaron Spelling. And she's like, come on in. What? 100% correct. He doesn't even lie to her. She, like, walks into that herself. And then they have a montage of them watching women model clothes. But it's going on at the same time. As the sellout montage. So they're cutting back between different montages. I've never seen that happen before. They montaged two montages. Yeah. It's a montage montage. Oh, fuck. They did. And then they have the Iceland game. They play against Iceland. (laughs) That's the end of the movie. We did it. We did the whole episode in less than an hour and a half. They play them twice. Yeah, they lose the first time because then they have to get the eye of the tiger. And do you know how they get the eye of the tiger? Keenan Thompson, who has been attending every fucking game... Somehow he has tickets to every single game. Also doesn't go to school. I, I love him because the the ducks aren't from 
Anaheim, where the games are taking place, and he he's researched Goldberg to ice to single him out the entire time and heckle him specifically. There was no internet. Yeah, like he had to like go to the library, find Minnesota newspapers, local paper newspaper clippings on like microfiche, and like do research. On Goldberg. I was like, fuck this kid. <laughs> and then he shows up to, like, Statler and Waldorf them for the entire competition. It's the best. Not only that, he, like, follows them to their, like, <laughs> their, like, training session. Their, like, their workout session. <laughs> he heckles them from there, too. He's following them around town to heckle them. And then they're like, hey, what are you going to do about it? He's like, I'll show you how to play hockey. And so he takes them to the streets. Yeah. We're going to show them how to really play hockey here in the streets. Uh, in the Iceland, the first Iceland game, they get beat hard. Like, just, they got, like, one goal. Because Goldberg is a shit goal goalie, and Julie clearly should be playing over Except Goldberg. Except she's a girl. Doesn't put her in, because she's a lady. Yeah, exactly. I want to talk about my favorite part of the first Iceland game is the one half of the meet-cute that is foggy, and the other guy with a bandana who listens to crappy rock music gets called out of the game for hurting someone and then spends I don't know how long does a hockey game last through what an hour and a half two hours yeah just just punching everything in the locker room because every time it cuts back to him he's punching something different and I was like he's been punching things the whole time I, I have to point something out so Aaron Lore is the name of the actor who plays the yeah, second yeah, yeah. bash brother who is just constantly punching everything uh-huh. I looked at this guy's bio you know what else he did mm. he was the singing voice for Max Goof in a Goofy movie. Wow. He can do it all. And he's currently married to the wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. Adina Maz... Yeah. Stop calling Adele <laughs> Dazeem. No, uh, him and, and Adina Mazal are married. That's awesome. People, it's a joke about John Travolta. Yes. Anyway, uh, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, like, apparently he's like a, a very talented Broadway actor. He spends the entire movie going like, oh, grunting. Yeah. We've now covered both the speaking voice of Max Goof and the singing voice of Max Goof. (laughs) Because uh, the speaking voice actor was in Hocus Pocus. He gets ejected in the game after two seconds because he literally punches out a ref. And then he's so (laughs) upset that he destroys the locker room. And I'm like, you... You knocked a ref, like, out. Yeah, it's a clearly well-deserved penalty. Yeah. So, uh, they go, yeah, th- this is when they go play street ball, right? This is when the street ball. My favorite shot of the street ball was the Evil Dead 2 shot of the knuckle puck when that's introduced. It was great. When you get the, like, perspective of the knuckle puck flying through the arena. Like, they did that already with Fulton's slap shot in the first movie. And they're just like, we have to one-up it. Let's make it wobbly. And so that's, they did the exact same thing. Cause Fulton has a slap shot that is too, like, fast to catch, right? No one can do it. In the first movie, it goes through the glove. I have to say, as far as hockey superpower goes, being able to hit a puck so fast that it will go through a goalie seems a lot more useful than being able to wibbly wobbly hit the puck so that it wobbles. Yeah. Back to grade school, I have a very vivid memory of like a kid that was a, he was a few grades older than us, and one day he was just playing hockey with us in gym class. And I I remember, like, he was the goalie, and he got the puck. And I remember him shooting it out and being like, hope you're all ready for my knuckle puck. And it, of course, is not working. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I did the knuckle puck so many times because I thought it was a good thing to do. There was a, an ice rink not far from my house, and I can't skate or play hockey to save my life. But I but was, damn, could you knuckle puck? I could knuckle puck, and then I would slam into the boards because I couldn't stop. I would just run into the boards to stop myself from skating. You you were a one-man Mighty Ducks. <laughs> if I were, if, you know, if I were to describe you to people, actually, that's how I'm going to do it now. <laughs> These 
the one man Mighty Ducks. Thanks, buddy. He's all of the weaknesses of the Mighty Ducks wrapped up into one. <laughs> With none of the, the skills. Uh, Gordon Bombay talks to Jan, and he goes and finds himself on the uh, boulevard, right? What's that uh, What's that street called? Uh, uh, San, Santa, Santa Monica. Monica Boulevard. Right. So we get a call back to the beginning in sepia tones of uh, when he was playing with his dad on the pond. Um, and uh, he is just playing some uh, street ball himself uh, yeah. on Santa Monica. It's Boulevard. like Venice Beach. It's like Venice Beach. Venice Sorry, Beach. Venice Beach. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, is the same thing as Santa Monica. Yeah. But uh, keep in mind that he is the coach of this team and his team uh, has a game. Uh, that day, the same time. He misses the game. It's the weirdest, like, getting back to your roots moment. You know, he rediscovers his passion while he should be coaching the team Correct. and isn't there. And they yes. almost get kicked out of the tournament. Correct. He like, abandons the, the, the team. The thing is, he was mostly doing fine. Like, it's he didn't abandon the team and then, you know, rediscover his passion and come back. He abandons the team after he gets the lecture from Jan, which is like, that's the opposite of how it's supposed to work. Yeah, but he had to go find himself, right? Did he? I mean, I I guess for the narrative, but like... He he, he rollerbladed on, on Venice Beach for like half an hour and, uh, and he found himself. And then he found his passion, his own eye of the tiger again. All right, cool, 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 cool. He abandons his team and they're like, well, if you, uh, if you don't have a coach, you forfeit the match. Keep in mind, they lost to Iceland and they only need two two losses and they're out of the tournament so he knows this by the way it's not like he's like oh what time is the uh, is the game at like he's the coach like from his perspective what he should understand is that they've almost certainly been kicked out now like he has <laughs> lost the tournament because 100%. he has made this decision correct charlie uh josh j uh he goes to the tutor and says uh we don't have a coach um can you be our coach uh, and she says, uh, what are you standing around for? Are we going to have a conversation or play? It's really dumb. Um, but mind you, you can't do that. You have to take lots of training. Uh, you have to be certified to be a coach. Listen, there's nothing in Ted Turner's rule book that says <laughs> tutor can't be a coach for the hockey team. Gotcha. That's what happens. Yeah. Also dogs can be on the team. Yeah. Uh, but what he, when he does show up, it's in the middle of the game. And he just rocks in with his duck call and just, like, blows the duck call constantly. Like, disrupting the game. While they're, like, on the ice. While the game is happening. Like, it's it's literally they're playing and everyone stops because, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, do we need to evacuate right now? He gets everyone to, like, look at him. Like, yeah. Not only does he almost get them kicked out, he then proceeds to come and ruin their game. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, he distracts all of them. The other team should have just scored on Goldberg because he was like, what the fuck is Gordon doing? So he's discovered his eye of the tiger. The team's discovered their eye, eye of the tiger because Keenan Thompson showed them the knuckle puck. Keenan Thompson's on the team now. Um, then then he says, come on, Flying V, guys. I want to see it. They win the game with a Flying V. The Ducks get their stride back. Retreated to another montage of the Ducks doing better in the tournament. Yeah, we get a Gretzky cameo. We do. Here's the thing. Um, and this stood out to me was we as Canadians get a flash in the pan mention in this screenplay of saying USA Downs Canada. Oh, it's the best. And I'm like, yeah. Why, why are we in this movie? Canadians play a lot of hockey. You'd have a feeling we'd actually probably be the other, like, my, like the European teams always do good, but Canada's usually, like, higher up there. And yeah. then, as you say, Gretzky shows up immediately afterwards and meets all the team. We lost to fucking Goldberg and the knuckle puck. I mean, come on. Yeah. KKKKKKKK. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but the, there's the, a reason for that. The, there's the, a reason for that. Is, is, what's this reason? You can't make Canada the bad guy in this movie. 
because Canada is too likable. Well, we're also a target market. Yes. You know, they're not selling too much Mighty Ducks merchandise in Iceland. But I mean, I also like was curious is because then like what Gretzky comes in, he meets them, he gets a photo and the next headline is Gretzky blesses Team USA. Fucking hell. And I was like, blesses okay that's a bit heavy-handed i was like too like why isn't he consoling the canadian team shouldn't he be hanging out with us correct uh to be fair gretzky lived in the u.s by that point he was i believe already on the kings or which they're in anaheim so yeah yeah so he was with the kings so he was practically an honorary american didn't he play for the rangers too was it la and then the rangers yeah that's what i mean he was in la for like a decade and then he was in the rangers for like the last five years of his career or something can we finally get to the final game yes we can can i do a little setup here they uh adam banks he got slashed in the first iceland game and he's been out with an injury because he literally got attacked like with a weapon the guy should have been charged with an assault because it was after the play the guy literally slashed his arm intentionally and when he was going to the penalty box said uh, two minutes for slashing, worth it. And he, like, seriously damaged this guy. But Adam Banks shows up at the end of the game, having done no rehab whatsoever, and just like, yeah, I'm fine, I can play again. Unfortunately, they uh, had already hired uh, knucklepuck Keenan Thompson on the team, so they're at a full roster. So Jossie J says, Gordon, baby, I want them loafers. Uh, I could be an assistant coach. Uh, I don't have to play. Uh, and so Adam Banks takes, uh, Charlie's spot. Keep in mind, Charlie was like s- probably the, s- the second lead in the first Mighty Ducks. He's the team captain, isn't he's he? He's the team captain. He's the team captain. Yeah. And he says, I don't need to play. Like, he's hardly in this movie. He does not score a goal <laughs> in this film. I was doing some research and like, who all scores goals and stuff? Charlie does nothing in this film besides says, you know what? I'm not a good player. (laughs) Adam Banks can have my spot. And he's the team captain. He also sharpened some skates. Don't forget that. Fair enough. Yes. Then we get this really, really, really long hockey game, which is just whimsical nonsense for half an hour. It is absolutely amazing. They do not call like a single penalty. Everyone is just destroying people on the ice. None of it makes any sense. There are so many moments that are just like, yeah, none of this would ever happen. And I love every second of it. They do all their superpowers. They do a flying V. They do a knuckle puck. Just like every other hockey player, Keenan Thompson has a special power, knuckle puck, and a special weakness. Charge up time. Because the knuckle puck takes up so much time to charge up that other players can come and stop him. And so they have to figure out a way to defend against that weakness by making him a secret goalie to do a surprise knuckle puck. Surprise! Knuckle puck time! Which still takes forever to charge up, and he somehow manages to make the shot. My wife, her brother, plays hockey, and he was a goalie. And she said, do you know how long it takes for a goalie to change pads? She was screaming at the TV going, I had to wait. Like, 20 minutes for him to get out of the locker room after everyone else had gone because he was still undressing to get out of those pads. They change pads in a two-minute timeout. On the ice. They don't actually leave the ice. And you cannot wear someone else's jersey, let alone swap out a goalie. So all of that is a penalty. None of that would be counted. Listen, Robbie, none of those are penalties in Ted Turner's (laughs) world, okay? So... Speaking of the jerseys, though, I will say, those are some cool jerseys. Yeah, they're awesome. Man, like, did they, I mean, we all wanted to buy one in 1994, which was literally the point of this film. 
Yeah. How long ago did John get these jerseys made? He has everyone's name, numbers, and everything done. I was like, they only got to the Junior Goodwill Games like a week ago, but like these jerseys took weeks to get made. Yeah. Like you can't just, you can't get a turnaround like that in that quick amount of time. He but, has a connection at Hendrix. Yeah. But, but keep in mind, Hendrix wants them to say Hendrix and Team USA, uh, not the Mighty Ducks. Oh, so he, he had to go somewhere else. He had to go to some black market jersey providers. <laughs> And pay for this himself. Yes. I enjoyed how quickly everyone else at the, like, because all the billboards change and it's like Ducks USA, Duck Power, Ducks Go America. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, they're like, wow, they had to reprogram everything really quickly. Because there's like, we will quack you. There's the chant of we will, we will quack you. And it's programmed into like (laughs) the, the billboards. In the fucking Freddie Mer- you know Freddie Mercury's rolling in his fucking grave knowing that that's what yeah. they changed the lyrics to his song to. Bobby, I, I have to stop you right there. Uh, we will rock you as a Brian May song. <laughs> oh, it's, okay, so it's Brian May. Okay, well, there we go. Then Brian, Brian May is rolling in his grave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian May is rolling in the bed of money that Eisner threw at him to change those songs. Um, And then they win. Movie's over. Uh, they they tie the game with the knuckle puck, the goalie swap, right? And then they go to immediately a shootout. No, no overtime, but immediately a shootout. Uh, earlier in the movie, there's I think it's Foggy Slapshot earlier in the movie, too, that bounces halfway around the arena and gives the sponsor a concussion. And everyone earlier in the movie is like... Yeah, that's ah. during their one practice before they become Team USA. During their one practice. And, and he gets up and doesn't know where he is. And they're like, oh, he'll be fine. I'm like, he's a fucking head injury. He will not be fine. He also doesn't even look fine. No. We're jumping all the way back to the beginning of the movie. But it's a weird scene because he gets hit with a slap shot in the head. He's knocked unconscious. They, like, wake him up with selling salts, and he goes, I'll have a cheeseburger and fries. And then they laugh, and they're like, I think he's okay. That is definitely not a thing you say if you're okay. (laughs) No, it's not. I'm pretty sure that's a bad sign if he thinks he's ordering a cheeseburger. Like, that's not a good sign. What what are you thinking? Uh, And the only reason I call back to it, too, is because Foggy does it again, and assumably he kills this minor league hockey player when he hits him in the head with that slap shot. Uh, the goalie stops it, but it hits him in the face, and then he falls down unconscious, and then the puck slides into the net, and he gets a goal during the shootout. That was like, he killed him, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like, he he 100%. almost killed a 50-year-old man. That child is dead. And then, uh, in the most, most self-serving, shittiest thing Gordon Bombay does, puts in a cold goalie for the whole tournament, who has not got one shot on net, and says, look, we're all tied up in the championship match. We need you, Julie, to stop this last guy. Please and thank you. Goldberg's done. He's just played the whole tournament. She's an awesome goalie. But then Bombay takes away all of that and says, I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to do a triple deke and go glove side. So she stops him. But it's made to look like the only reason she stopped him is because Gordon Bombay told her what to do. But it's like because like Bombay has this whole like arc of proving he's like not a shitty misogynist to this young girl when she says, look, I joined Team USA to like show everyone what I could be and play my best. And he's like, don't worry, you'll get your shot. And then it's like, oh yeah, okay, right now, I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. One shot. Literally, you get one shot on net. Like that's all we're putting you in for. And then we're traded to, they win the game, um, and they all go to start the first episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, they go to, they go camping. 
They go camping. I did like how this felt like an old 1940s movie because, like, the climax happens and then it's credits. Yeah. Nothing. Like, there is no denouement. The climax has been literally half an hour. It's a third of the film. <laughs> I did. I like that, though. I'm like, finally, it's over. Did you get the shitty rock song, Danger of the something? Of the Mighty Ducks? Danger of the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, but it's like, I think this it's credited as like the Mighty Ducks theme song. I think it's just all it's credited on. I don't know. Shitty rock songs stand out to me and I, I, I couldn't, maybe it was just the COVID, but I was just like, you know, the song's just grading me. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with you, Bobby. What did you think about this movie? This movie is fucking insane. Yes. Um, I, it was so funny because like I say, I remembered it. I hadn't seen it since I was probably a kid, like maybe once in between, but like I, I, I had my memories of this movie and it, everything triggered. Like I remembered the hockey guy. I remembered the like, Oh, is that a penalty for high roping? Yeah. Like I remembered all that stupid shit. And as a eight year old, I was like, wow, this is the best movie ever. And as a 36 year old, I was wait, like, wait, 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 sorry. The voiceover guy is the one is the announcer at the junior Goodwill games. And he's the one who's announcing the newspaper clippings. So it's 100% in his head. He's not really there. You, like, they, every point, they spell it out to us. I'm sorry, that just popped in my brain right now. They yeah. spell it out to us that that announcer is not real. It is Coach Bombay's inner monologue. Sorry, my apologies. Oh, no, it's okay. That needed to be said. Because it goes on to it. This movie is fucking insane. I don't know. Maybe I was just, like, high on COVID and was just loving every second of it. It was insane. I don't know that I could, like, recommend this movie to anybody that didn't see it when they were eight. Because, like, it is batshit oh it is hot garbage do you do you have a place to rank it what's like do you have a number uh i think it's gonna be number 16 oh no gonna be under don't look under the bed under don't look under the bed yeah oh my god thankfully uh i'm not too divergent from you bob um although i will openly say i hated this movie (laughs) (laughs) i saw it as a kid I didn't hate it then, but kids are dumb. And clearly I was dumb (laughs) because watching it now, I was just like, this is a terrible, terrible movie. And I didn't really like any of it. Emilio Estevez is phoning. He's not even phoning it in. He's like getting someone else to phone it in. And he's yelling at them from across the room what to say into the phone as they're phoning it in. It's really bad. I'm going to put it underneath. Don't look under the bed. And for me, that is number 18. So it's below Million Dollar Duck, below Don't Look Under the Bed. This movie fucking sucks. D2 is the second duck movie to Million Dollar Duck. <laughs> and like, and like, these were truly the Million Dollar Ducks for a period of time for Disney. Rob, what do you think about this film? So uh, I am uh, three Gordon Bombays in right now. Uh, it's not quite noon. And uh, I think I've made my opinion pretty clear during the course of this podcast. It makes no sense. It is absolutely terrible. Everything in it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I wholeheartedly love every moment of it because none of it matters. Where do you think I put it? Oh, God, I don't know. It's, it's in your top five, isn't it? It's cracked the top five, boys. Oh, God. I, I, I can tell by the, like, drunkenness in your eyes. <laughs> uh-huh. For the record, audience, it is still not quite noon. <laughs> so my top five the in there was Return to Oz, Darby O'Gill, Hocus Pocus, Willow, and The Great Muppet Caper. So where do you... That was in order. Where do you think I put it in between that order? Did you get rid of The Great Muppet Caper for D2 The Mighty Ducks? Oh, it went higher than that. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I think he put it at number three. 
It's number two. It's number two. I would watch this. It's I, number two. Shot, shot. Last night when I came home from the Christmas party, I put this on not because I wanted to watch it for this podcast. I put it on because I wanted to watch it again, and I saw it this week. This movie is the dumbest oh thing, my God. and I can watch it endlessly. It is fantastic. I I I worry about your psyche. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. What the hell? Although I do like how this is, I do like how this is the biggest divergence that we've seen so far on this podcast. Yeah. Like on almost everything else, we're we're reasonably close, but this is number two for me. This this is a terrible movie. Oh, this is a terrible movie. Look, it is a terrible movie, but <laughs> I could put it on at any point and any time and watch the rest of it. If it was on TV and I was flipping through channels and I saw it, I'd be like, "Well, I'm watching the rest of this movie. I could watch this movie." Whenever, wherever. That's the thing. Is uh, I know it's bad, but I have so much fun with it that I put it at number two. Okay, well, I would say that this has got to be the worst thing that the Mighty Ducks ever had their name on. But then, <laughs> and then I know exactly where you're going with this because I watched this when it came out too. But then Michael Eisner got the brilliant idea to create an animated cartoon series spin-off of the Mighty Ducks not about peewee hockey not about professional hockey players about anthropomorphic space alien ducks that fight crime and then also play hockey on the side talking about 1996's the Mighty Ducks the animated series so as part of my research for this episode, I watched the first two episodes of The Mighty Ducks. Nice. I had the action figures. I had never seen it before. I was aware of it, but this came on after I had stopped watching Saturday morning cartoons. This was near the tail end of it. It was 1996. This was created by David Wise, who created the animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, so really? Disney was aiming for a very specific type of show here. They were like, we could have our own Ninja Turtles and tie it into this monolithic Mighty Ducks franchise that we're creating. I'm going to list the voice actors who are in this show. Brad Garrett, Jennifer Hale, Jim Belushi, Frank Welker, Tim fucking Curry, Tony J, and Clancy Brown. It's like the top tier. That is insane. Here's the plot of the movie as described on Disney+. Plus. TV show. Yeah. Puck World is home to a race of hockey-loving humanoid ducks. Puck World? I'm going to interject here <laughs> and say that in the show, when we're introduced to Puck World, their home world, it is shaped like a puck, and all they do is play hockey. So it's Canada. <laughs> it's Canada, the planet. I just want to be a fly on the wall in Tim Curry's room when he gets that script, and it's like... <laughs> Puck world. And he's like, all right, I'm interested. <laughs> Dude, he would love every minute of it. Have you seen the video of him voice acting for the FMV in one of the Command and Conquer games? No. Where he plays the Russian supervillain. And then at the end of the game, you haven't seen this? Oh my God, you need no. to look it up. At the end of the game, when you win the game, there's a video of him like cursing you, the hero, and he goes, I am going to the one place that has not been spoiled by capitalism, space. <laughs> <laughs> Between capitalism and space, he noticeably guffaws. <laughs> 
like he says, not been ruined by capitalism. And then he tries to like hold in a laugh. <laughs> Space. You watch it and you're like, either they did 100 takes and that was the best one. <laughs> or Tim Curry insisted on that they being the that take one. that they used. Oh my God. I have a feeling that Tim Curry actually had a ball making this fucking movie. Like when they pitched it to him, they're like, okay, it's a race of humanoid anthropomorphic ducks. They live on a planet shaped like a puck. It's called Puck World. They play hockey, but they also fight you because they're superheroes. And he's like, you sold me on Puck World. Like, yeah. I am in. I am in. Yeah, no, I can see that now. So what what type of villainous duck is he? That Does he want to not play hockey? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just the duck Grinch. Yeah. No, he actually doesn't play a duck. He plays a different type of alien. It's a dragon species, and his name is Dragonus. And they're at war with the ducks. The ducks have ice, the dragons are fire, so that's why they don't like each other. I Except gotcha. that none of that is ever dealt with because all they ever do is play hockey. Okay, so here's the rest <laughs> of the synopsis. When the sinister Dragonus takes over the planet, a band of determined rebels... The Mighty Ducks manage to chase him from the planet. During the fight, they are caught in a dimensional portal and end up stranded in Anaheim. The Ducks form a hockey team and build a secret base under Anaheim Pond so they can continue to fight Dragonus and find a way home. How many fucking seasons of this horse shit are there? Only one. Okay, good. Keep in mind that the standard for Disney children's shows is usually three, maybe two. Uh, they do that because they assume kids will age out of the show, and so they try to make as many episodes as possible in two or three seasons. One, though, means that somebody at Disney is like, no, no, no. <laughs> now, what the this. fuck is this? Stop this now. I mean, with those that voice cast, they were probably, like, the costs were, like, skyrocketing, I bet you. And so they were like, we can't continue. Oh, yeah. They went all out. There's tons of CGI in this, considering it's 1996. Wow. The theme song was done by, like, Jefferson Starship. It's like some dude going, like, the Mighty Ducks, yeah! <laughs> Isn't it like, here come the Mighty Ducks, the burning up the ice. Oh, yeah! I didn't, I didn't look that up. I just, I just remember it because the theme was awesome. And I think I maybe watched, like, two episodes of it. I just looked it up because I couldn't remember. There was another show that came out a few years prior that was another sports theme show that I would guess I was reading up that ESPN was going to run a kid's block on called Pro Stars, where the main characters were Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Wayne Gretzky. And like when they weren't playing sports, they were superheroes that like had technology. I heard of that. Yes. I, I, I watched it too. Wayne Gretzky was always eating. That was like his character trope. That's kind of- He was the Michelangelo of the sports team. He, he was. He was Michelangelo. The show was called Pro Stars. I gotta find this. So Wayne Gretzky was the party dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bo Jackson was cool but rude? <laughs> yeah. And Michael Jordan was was, in, was into machines. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I watched the first two episodes. It, it is the worst thing I've ever seen. The animated Mighty Duck show. You don't say. They have a secret base under the rink. They play hockey. They're anthropomorphic space ducks. You know, Robbie, you were mad about the breaking of the rules in D2 The Mighty Ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mighty Ducks animated series, they are animated space ducks that compete against other regular human hockey teams. <laughs> And isn't there only, like, four of them? Like, they don't even have enough to have, like, a full team, right? <laughs> so, like, they played the entire game themselves. There's no other yeah. members because there are only four space ducks. Right. And so 
they play yeah. like the Edmonton Oilers and they like fucking crush them because <laughs> they're like space aliens. And oh yet all God. of these NHL teams keep showing up. It's like if the NHL just adopted the plot of Space Jam as like company policy. As the rules. Yeah, like 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 we've got we've got the Bulls, we've got the Lakers, and we got the Toon Squad. <laughs> so space aliens. <laughs> We're the only team that has space aliens. <laughs> And not only that, when they play hockey, as soon as they're done playing hockey, like the rink like opens up and they have a spaceship that like comes out of it. And what do they do? Are they fighting dragons or just stopping crime? Like what 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 do these ducks do? A little a column A, a little a column B. But I like how the plot of this, because the Walt Disney Company built the Anaheim Pond. This is a real building. The plot of this movie suggests that Walt Disney put a superhero base underneath Under. that actual stadium yeah that can open up and shoot these fighter jets out of it and it's like packed full but of course it is because they're anthropomorphic aliens why wouldn't you go to the hockey game played by the space aliens i don't even fucking like hockey and i'd be at every game if they were my home team the ottawa blade trinities are looking at the calendar they're like <laughs> who are we playing next oh fuck it's the space aliens they're eight feet tall <laughs> Like, there's only four of them. They don't have a goalie. What? One of them is allowed to wear an X-ray mask for some reason that can see through walls. <laughs> How is that helpful during a game? Why wouldn't you wear it? <laughs> um, what else came out this year? How did this movie do, Sean? How did the D2 The Mighty Ducks do? It did almost the exact same as the first one. The first one made uh, about $52 million, and I believe D2 made $48 million. Probably a, a larger budget, but... Significantly larger budget. It was still considered a reasonable success. Um, so I think D one was like what fifteen? Yeah, you said what fifteen million, and then made fifty million. Yeah, I don't, I don't know offhand with, the, and I'm not going to look it up. I don't care. But I assume D two <laughs> might, maybe D two was twenty five million. I don't know. Emilio Estevez probably took home a very large paycheck to get him back, and he's like, and I'm not learning any lines. You're going to have somebody with a cue card there. What else did they release? Okay, boys, 1994, big year for Disney. Of crap. Yeah. A big year of crap. That's what I'm going to say. It starts off... Did, wouldn't you have already gone over this crap for the Blank Check episode? Did I? <laughs> if Sean edits this, there was an unnaturally long pause there. <laughs> no, I don't remember talking about some of these. Okay, okay. I, I, I was just curious. I think maybe either I forgot to do it in the Blank Check episode, or maybe in the Blank Check episode, I only spoke about the Disney branded ones and not okay. the touchstone in Hollywood releases. So I'm just going to gotcha. quickly go through this because I don't think I talked about a lot of these. So beginning of the year, the air up there, the Kevin Bacon basketball movie, Hollywood pictures, then cabin boy, the Chris Elliott oh, movie, cabin boy. Okay. Iron will the first of two Arctic dog movies. They released that year. Uh, a movie called My Father the Hero, a Gerard Depardieu film. Oh, you 100% talked about these. I remember these. Keep going though. Did I? Blank check. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a movie called Angie with Jeannie D Gina Davis. Uh, the Ref, Lightning Jack, yes. the Paul Hogan uh, cowboy film that isn't... Crocodile Dundee? Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, it's like the one movie he made that wasn't Crocodile Dundee. Like, have you have you, have you you ever seen such a successful career based off of three films? <laughs> like, that man has a legacy, and it's been three movies. <laughs> Holy Matrimony, a film where Patricia Arquette marries a 10-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt. 
That's worse than Blank Check. Is, is, is that a sequel to Blank Check? Came out the same year. Disney had a theme, apparently. Ugh. That one was directed by Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up to Three Men and a Baby. White Fang 2, the second of the two Arctic Dog movies. Uh, a movie called The Inkwell, which I've never heard of. And when I wikipedia I can't even understand what the plot is. I read the synopsis and I was like, nope, don't get it. So I'm not going to talk about it. Um a movie called When a Man Loves a Woman that was written by Al Franken. What is this year? What is this year? Renaissance Man, the Danny DeVito film. Mm. We finally get to a big movie, The Lion King, 1994. Then a movie called I Love Trouble, starring Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte. Never heard of it. Oh, I have. Then we get Angels in the Outfield, the second of their We're Gonna Buy a Sports Team movies. In the Army Now, Polly Shore. <clears throat> you sounded so sad talking about Polly Shore. <laughs> <laughs> it almost brought me to tears <laughs> color of night and erotic thriller starring bruce willis it's pat the snl Jesus. movie based on the it's pat sketch about that's a disney movie i've heard that movie's fucking unwatchable it made it it was released in three cities and then buried <laughs> I'm not even sure you can find it anywhere. It's 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 been on TV because I know my mom watched it just for the anomaly of being like I was like, what are you watching? She's like, they aired it on TV. Nobody like this movie's terrible. Camp Nowhere, the Chris Lloyd film, Simple Twist of Fate, the uh, comedy written by Steve Martin about him uh, befriending, adopting a little girl. It's a little girl on the poster. I'm assuming it has something to do with that. Yeah, yeah. Quiz Show, the Robert Redford film. Uh, that's a pretty good movie. I think it was nominated for some Oscars. Terminal Velocity, uh, starring Carlos Estevez, brother of Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Ed Wood, The Puppet Masters. Okay, I haven't seen The Puppet Masters. It's on Disney+. Plus. I just discovered that it was written by Ted Elliott, Terry Ruscio, and David S. Goya. That's three names I never expected to see before. Uh, it's based on a Robert Heinlein story. It stars Donald Sutherland. Should watch that sometime. Apparently, it's terrible, but I still want to see it. Squanto, a warrior's tale. The Santa Claus, a low down, dirty shame, which is a Keenan Ivory Wayans film. Yep. The Stephen Summers Jungle Book, the first of the two live action Disney remakes of the Jungle Book. What was the second one? The second one is the John Favreau one, the one that came out like six years oh, ago. Oh yeah, jeez. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought there was another one like in the nineties or something. Not this one. My apologies. I don't really equate that one with live action just because it's, like, literally one person's live action and the rest is CGI. Everyone's, like, same with Lion King. They're, like, remember when they made a live action Lion King? And I was, like, they didn't. It's animated. It's an animated Lion King. 1994 was also the year that Walt Disney Company released The Return of Jafar. Nice. Their sequel to Aladdin that started their long-running direct-to-video sequels of their big-budget animated features. Partially because Return of Jafar made more money for Disney than Aladdin did. What? Interesting. Well, Disney, it cost them like $5 million to make the Return of Jafar. And it made like $95 million on direct revenue. Jesus. Could, yeah. Versus like $200 million that they had to share with box office. Yeah. I can see that. Wow. Did, was that movie meant to be aired on the disney channel because that movie has commercial breaks in it it, it doubles as a pilot for the animated cartoon series because it was okay. animated by the same team that did the okay. cartoon series somehow i managed to avoid that like i just i never i've never seen return of jafar you've never seen return of jafar really i i only i definitely only clamshell wow. that was 
I had to see that. I love Aladdin. I love Aladdin so much, and I somehow, in my, like, eight-year-old brain, whatever it was, was like, no, no thank you. The thing I like about Return of Jafar is that, for some reason, they make Yago the main character. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. He is the main character in that movie, and you also get Dan Castellenta. Right! Uh, genie in that, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Robin Williams for the third one. In the third movie, Dan Castellaneta uh, does the voice again, but at the last minute, they came to an agreement with Robin Williams to return, and they threw out all of Dan Castellaneta's recordings. Wow. And re-recorded the whole thing with Robin Williams. And because he was improving it all, it's all different jokes as well. So whatever Dan Castellaneta did for Jesus. that is lost to time. At the last minute, like you would think they would have animated it all. So did they just do like over the shoulder shots of the genie? <laughs> By the last minute, I mean the last minute before they were going to animate, I guess. Gotcha. But they had already recorded all of Dan's dialogue yeah, yeah, yeah. when they came to an agreement with Robin Williams. And then they just threw it all out. Anyway, uh, that was the year that was. All right, Rob, how do you want to end this episode? You enjoyed this movie. Is there anything out of this movie that you can take to create an ending to this episode? No, uh, all I can say is that uh, if there's only one good thing that came out of D2 The Mighty Ducks, it is this delicious cocktail, the Gordon Bombay, that I've been drinking tonight. Uh, that I've been drinking today, uh, this morning, uh, while I've been recording this episode. So, uh uh, cheers, boys. Um, my Saturday is ruined. <laughs> this episode brought to you by the Gordon Bombay, that not-quite-noon-yet cocktail perfect for the refined and discerning day drinker. <laughs> I spilled some on myself. And that's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at Podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks.